They say it's in your blood, a game that can't be won, only played. A love affair, it satisfies the soul and frustrates the intellect. The greatest game ever played, golf. It's real. And this is Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper, son of legendary golfer Billy Casper. Talking golf with you for more than two decades. And now, here's Brian and Bob. Well, thank you very much and welcome into this week's edition of Real Golf Radio. I'm Brian Taylor alongside Bob Casper. Great to have you alongside. Twitter handle is at Real Golf. Give us a follow and join the conversation there. You can catch us on iHeartRadio, on GNN Radio, as well as Sirius XM 203 and various radio stations, including our flagship station, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone in Salt Lake City, Utah. It's great to be with you. It's PGA Championship Preview Edition. We have a lot to get to. We'll discuss some things with Ryan Ballingy on where this major ranks amongst the four, despite what Gary Player and uh, Jack Nicholas might have said yeah. the week of the Masters. So we're going to get into that. Um also, how about this PGA? How about Oak Hill? We got a restoration. It's not going to look the same as what it did in previous major championships. It's had a facelift. Yeah, is that what we call like? Is is restoration a facelift? I guess it is yeah. because a facelift sort of makes you look the way you did once before, fresh right? and young. <laughs> I'll tell you, this one actually has some special meaning for us, Bob. This was right as we were beginning Real Golf Radio on a syndicated level, and our friend Mitch Voges invited us to be part of the broadcast team for CBS Sports Radio and Westwood One yep. back in the 2003 PGA Championship. And you were out roaming the golf course. You had the coveted job. You know, you were the, you were the guy. And I was posted up on 16, and I remember standing just off the green. I had a huge, long microphone cord attached to me. <laughs> and I was standing in about shin-high rough. Yep. That's, a, that's about the extent of what I remember. And I just was thinking, don't get in anybody's way. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was the biggest. You were standing m- under the tower there, too, weren't you? Just Yeah, right over by the tower, the TV yep. tower, yeah. And just yep. had my little clipboard and, yeah, calling the action. It was fun. Yeah, we had a good time. But anyway, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the golf course. Talk about some of the winners. You know, there's been U.S. Opens played. There's been a Ryder Cup played here. Mm-hmm. And, of course, some PGA Championships. We'll get into all of that coming up next here in our preview edition. Plus, it is the week of the Byron Nelson out on the PGA Tour. And as tradition has it, every single year, in honor of Byron Nelson, we play our interview with Byron Nelson in his own words, talking about that special year of 1945, 18 wins, 11 in a row. It is unbelievable. You do not want to miss it. That's all part of the show this week on Real Golf Radio. Now, back to Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. All right, welcome back. It is Real Golf Radio. Brian Taylor, Bob Casper, and it's brought to you in part by Callaway Golf. I'm not even sure where to start with this. I guess we'll go with the Paradigm Triple Diamond driver and i can tell you four rounds in now and i could have told you earlier i actually have told okay. you earlier but i i can tell you that it is the best driver that i have ever hit in my life preach brian preach I, well look the, here's the thing that's interesting the triple diamond is made to bring the spin down if you if you see me on a launch monitor the challenge that i have is i get a little steep and i'm handsy and i get a lot of spin on it yep so i'm trying to take that off now there's some things i can do to work on with my swing right i can try to shallow that out as they say right try to come in with less of a steep angle actually hit up on it there's a lot of different things to do 
uh, we, you and I did the speed training over the winter, we did the yeah. six week course with our friend, Tyler Stanford at Utah Valley university, the biomechanics professor. I, I spent some time in the gym. There's a lot of things I've been working on and I've got a shaft from Fujikura, the Ventus that has been the Ventus blue has been my, my, my money maker. And it's lasted me through a, a, like all these driver renditions. It's mm-hmm. just the, the shaft is just money, right? So put all that together. Now you've got a triple diamond head. And it's going to bring the spin down. Here's the problem. In the past, the triple diamond was so unforgiving that unless you were John Rom, you really didn't want to hit that driver. Yeah. Because you weren't sure you'd bring the spin down, but you weren't going to control it like you wanted. You're missing fairways because you're, you're just not that good. And when I say you, I'm talking about me. This year, however, talking to Dave Neville and you know some of the guys there at Callaway, they're saying, you know what, BT, give it a shot because you'll be surprised at how forgiving it is for the tour model. Right. And that's exactly what I've done. The triple diamond, it's, it brings the spin down. Bob, and anyone that's listening that's played with me, I usually hit a, either a pull cut that works out pretty good or I hit a pretty high right that I'm just bugged about, right? Hardly can get that sucker to go left. And if I'm playing in the wind, I just get gobbled up. This thing. You, you know, remember what we remember what I told you when we played at Pebble. You're trying to, you're, you're, one of the things that you have a problem with is hitting down on the ball with the driver. Right. Remember I told you, mm-hmm. just move it an inch forward and it'll it'll allow you to hit a little bit more up on it. And then with this head, with the less spin, you started hitting some rockets. I, I'm telling you, it, it, I'm hitting the ball for, I'm hitting the ball like almost alarmingly far. I don't want, hey, by the Alarmingly? way, if the USGA is listening, forget that. Never mind. Scratch that from the record. <laughs> I really don't hit it anywhere. It's the same as what I've hit it since I was 18. What are we even talking about here? Hey, but between you and me, I'm killing this thing. <laughs> I mean, I'm hitting some shots. I, Bob, I played with some guys this week, and they were just like, I mean, there, I was, there, was, there was holes I was 100 yards past these guys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this driver's remarkable. If you haven't tested or haven't given a shot, check out the paradigm from Callaway. They talk about a, a shift. What, what is the a paradigm shift? Right, it's a shift, yeah. and that well, I don't know. Whatever it is, yeah. A let, let's see what it has here. Right? It's a shift. You've got the advanced, uh, the world's most advanced driver face AI designed by AI. Okay, they've got the carbon fiber crown, forged carbon. Um, it's. The jailbreak and I, AI. And I got, got mine. I'm just stuff. paradigm. You're going straight paradigm. Not the triple diamond. Well, because you don't need the help, man. You're just like, you're smooth Eddie. You're no, just I like, need all the help I can get because I'm getting old. Well, you do need the distance. <laughs> this will help with your distance, Bob. I know it will. Hey, yep. look, my partner in crime here, I, I, I bragged on him last week too, but um, you know, he's he's starting to lose a little bit of distance mm-hmm. where he always hit it further than me or we were pretty close, and I'm 14 years younger than him. Well, there was, I'm, I've started to notice a little separation, but Bob still hits it so freaking good. This will help. You'll be able to dial this sucker in and, and you'll you'll find a little bit more pop. It's yep. pretty cool. So anyway, I didn't mean to go a four minute commercial on Paradigm. I, my apologies, but it is an unbelievable driver. It's been fun. It's brought so much more fun back in it for me. So uh, check it out at CallawayGolf.com. Father's Day is coming up. Just do yourself a favor. Yep. Mother's Day, by the way, is tomorrow. So yes. happy Mother's Day to mo- all both of our moms. And and you can buy your wife a Paradigm driver for Mother's Day. Of course you but can. But it would come to you. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I mean, there's a lot of moms that want to play golf out there. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So knock yourself out. Have a good time. Anyway, hey, look, we've got, man, I'm excited for this show. I'm excited for another major championship. 
I'm excited for Byron Nelson and to hear that interview. I, I, you know, of the 24 years that we've been doing this show, it ranks right up there with one of the coolest things, if not the yep. coolest interview that we've ever done. Yeah. And Byron was at his ranch, and you got a hold of him and scheduled this interview, and we went in to record it. And like, right in the middle of this thing, he's like, "You okay? You got some time? Can I keep going?" And we're just like, "Are you no. kidding me?" Yes. <laughs> And he passed away. It's about a year later, I think. Yeah, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. That's right. But he talks about you'll and you'll hear it. I asked him the question. I was all like young radio guy. I'm like, okay, Mr. Nelson, uh, 1945. You won 18 times and 11 in a row. I was wondering if you could tell me what was you know what, tell me about that year. And he goes, well, let me start with the year before and what led up to that. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. And off he went. Why don't you? And off he went. Yeah, and you'll hear him talk about the things he did in 1944 that changed and, and led to that dominating year in 1940. <laughs> Careless shots. Careless shots. Yep. He worked on his chipping. And he, uh, and and he his... all wrote it, and he wrote it down in a little journal he had. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. And you know what? Here's hoping. Look, I know Scotty Scheffler. Scotty Scheffler's number two in the world, and he's playing this week. And then it's Terrell Hatton at number 17 in the world. Mm-hmm. I, get, I, I get it. It's It's... It has gone down from the time that Kenny Perry said that Byron Nelson used to write handwritten notes and invite yep. players to come. Yep. And people and players came. It is slipping a little bit. I hope it never goes away. To me, there is something special about honoring the greats of the past, right? Yeah. I hope that the Jack's memorial does never fade away. I hope Arnold Palmer Invitational at Bay Hill never fades away. I hope eventually as Tigers, you know, left the game completely that that his tournament at Genesis, you know, or even this, the stuff he's doing in the Bahamas. I hope that stuff stays because that's part of the cool, uh, traditions. Yeah. Yes. That's, I mean, the masters is oozing tradition that I think that's what sets them apart. So I think the tour needs to continue to hang on to, and I'm at a plot AT&T for their, sponsorship of this event and keeping it going. So yeah, anyway, I'm excited to hear from Byron. Uh, we'll talk, uh, Ryan Ballinger is going to join us coming up next. And I want to, I want to gauge his interest by, and I'll ask you the question that I'm going to ask Ryan, you know, wh- what is your interest level? What, what's your, I don't say interest level. What's your excitement level about the next major championship? Well, majors are what we, um, get excited about in the game of golf, especially in the professional game. And, you know, it starts out from the very get go with the masters and, you know, now that we have a winner in John Rahm getting his second major championship, it would be kind of interesting if he gets this one going to the Open Championship, having the chance to win the Career Grand Slam, which would be pretty interesting. That would be a remarkable, crazy year for John Rahm. Um, what, you know, what, to win three majors one, in a year? That would be, <laughs> that's an yeah, understatement, right? It would be. I mean, Tiger's I mean, the last to do that. Yes, and Jordan Spieth had a chance to get three in a year. He did. Almost had a chance. Um, he had a chance in to get 2015, and incidentally, he's not playing this week because of a wrist injury, so is he going to be able to play next week? We haven't heard that yet. Um, but there's a lot of really cool things that could happen. Majors are always great. Uh, the PGA Championship is going to be awesome. Uh and then, you know, and then like we talked about last week, we've got the Open U.S. Open Championship at L.A. North and then uh, the British Open Championship at uh, uh, Royal Liverpool. So uh, and then a Ryder Cup year. So uh, this we're just getting into some good, fun, uh, awesome, exciting parts of the game of golf, professional golf. Um, and, you know, about every three or four weeks, we're going to be 
talking about some great championship golf. Oak Hill's an interesting venue. It's seen the likes of Jack Nicholas win, and it's also had some surprises in Sean McKeel and um, and Jason Duffner picking up yeah. their first major. So it's, it's kind of interesting. We'll talk about that. Ryan Ballingy joins us from GolfNewsNet.com. Coming up next as we continue previewing the upcoming PGA Championship. You're listening to Real Golf Radio. Talking golf with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. One day you'll get it. Here's Brian and Bob. All right, welcome back to the show. Brian and Bob with you here on Real Golf Radio. Excited to welcome in our next guest as we continue with our PGA Championship Preview Edition of the show. Ryan Balanchy is GolfNewsNet.com and GNN Radio on iHeart and joins us right now. Hey, Ryan, how are you, man? Good, how are you guys? We are good. Hey, another major is upon us, and I'm not talking about the region's tradition by any means, but uh, PGA coming up next week, Oak Hill. And I, I, I guess let's just start with this. Excitement level, where, where would you rate your excitement level for this next one? That's a good question. I was kind of thinking about that the other day. And it, it, it feels lower than it should, and I don't know why that is. I mean, the Masters was great. Really enjoyed it. We had some good events after it. Uh, the heritage was lovely at Harbortown. I mean, to have Fitzpatrick and Spieth in in the playoff was really enjoyable and can't lay part of the mix again. But then after that, just kind of felt flat for a while. No offense to Tony Finau winning a, a very enjoyable battle with John Rahm in Mexico and the team event. I, I like the concept, but it feels like the execution just isn't working out. And then it felt like Quail Hollow fell a little flat last week, even though it was great for Wyndham Clark to win and he was trending in the right direction. So it just feels like uh, maybe there's a reason why the PGA tour wanted to get the players out on a, cause they knew it was kind of not the best month and <laughs> they kind of gave not the best deal to the PGA of America, giving them a, a May major championship. You know, it was interesting earlier in the year before we hit the masters, you had Gary player come on and say that the British open, then the U S open, then the PGA and then the Masters are, are how he would rank the major championships. Jack came in and said, uh, U.S. Open, Open Championship, then the PGA, then the Masters, because the Masters is, tech, it, you know, it it's not a championship like you would say the mm-hmm. U.S. Open or the Open or the PGA Championship. They're all championships. What, what do you think um, as far as a ranking system for the PGA Championship? I mean, that was such great clickbait content, too, because yes. but how, how can you have the Masters last? And I totally then understood Jack Nicholas's explanation of, well, these are championships, and this is technically an invitational, and I think that's more important. And I, I think that's semantic, but I totally understood where he was coming from. And Gary Player said, hey, it's just an age thing. Like, it, it's literally never going to catch up because it's never going to be as old as the Open unless they stop playing it for 80 years in a row. So I, I get it. But... I don't know a single person that maybe that maybe is not a PGA of America professional. I should underscore how important that is, but that would rank the PGA championship higher than third. And most would probably rank it fourth. And that's not because it's a bad tournament. It just feels like it, it lacks some special draw to it. I mean, the U S open is the national championship. The masters is the one played at the same place. The open championship is links golf. What is, and I think we always have this conversation, what is the identity of the PGA Championship? When it was match play 60 years ago, I'll get close to 70 years ago, that was an identity. 
because that was what made it unique. And it was eight days or whatever. I mean, it took forever. It was a true long grind of championship golf. And now it's basically uh, just a really, really deep field in a similar to PGA tour setup, slightly harder, more like a, more like a player setup, but obviously it rotates. So I, for me, it's hard to get as excited about the PGA as the other majors from that historical identity, whatever perspective, but then they play it and it's really enjoyable and it's great. And then you go back the next year and you go, yeah, but it's still fourth out of four. <laughs> it's a bowl game. How about that? Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. It's a New yeah. Year's Day bowl game. Like, it's legit, right? I mean, this is not to take anything away from the PGA. By the way, it's the biggest trophy, it's too. It's a New Year's Six. Yeah, but it's a, like, this is Rose Bowl. It's the Rose Bowl. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, and I, I love the Rose Bowl. Yeah. But Penn State beating... I don't know, Easy. some random Pac-12 hey, 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 team. Whoa, whoa, hey, whoa. <laughs> I, mean, I wasn't going to bring up Utah. That was a wasn't bringing shot. up Utah. Wasn't bringing up Utah. Wasn't going to do that. That's even Not worse. Do it. You didn't even say it. But but that that game isn't the national championship game. Yeah. And I, you know, so it, the tradition is incredible. Everything around it is wonderful. And winning it matters to the teams participating. But does it matter as broadly as much as it did because we've got everything around it now with the college football playoff? Probably not. So I, I don't, I, yeah, I think that's a great analogy. That's, that's the exact way to put it. Yeah. And Ryan Ballinger, golf news net joining us here. And yet yeah, I look back on it. Justin Thomas's win last year was exciting in a playoff with Zala Torres. Phil Mickelson. Are you kidding me? Historic win two years before yeah. that. Colin Montgomery's win. Montgomery. Did I just say that? Colin Morikawa. <laughs> wow. He'd hey, be surprised. Headlines. Steve Elkington. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and, you know, Brooks, I mean, Brooks spoiled Tiger's party in Kansas, in St. Louis. I mean, uh, which was that, but that was great in and of itself. And then he takes down Dustin Johnson at Beth Page. Like, that was good stuff. I mean, you know, yeah. I, like I look back on him and Rory's last win. At Valhalla, what what yeah. a great one, right? Like that. Here's the here's the funny thing is kind of the duds. <laughs> this sounds terrible. I'm really not picking on. I really don't want to pick on this event. But the the kind of the duds when I look back on them are the two played at at Oak Hill. You know, like Duffner and and McKeel. Like those are kind of. I mean, Duffner at least got the little little bottom pad at the end. That that sort of stole the show, right? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, he did shoot 63 that week. He did, and he then. Did. He was incredible from tee to green, and then every three-footer looked like it could miss the cup entirely, which was remarkable that he wound up finishing it off because he looked like a man that literally could not take the blade back at points and still got the job done. But I I don't know if it's an O'Kill thing. I mean, obviously they had Andrew Green come in and tear that place down to the studs and re-Rossify it, which I think is going to be great. Um and like you said, they, the PGA Championship doesn't have that many duds. I mean, certainly in yeah. the last decade and change, they they have gone to top-notch venues. They have identified great champions. They've had some really compelling finishes or compelling storylines in the case of film, blowing away father time. I mean, the, there's, there's really memorable elements to this championship. So... I mean, if it's going to be the fourth of four, it's a strong four. It's not like it's from three way down to four. I mean, it's, it's up there. It's just it, 
it's fighting a losing battle with its identity. It is. And yet, again, I think it's a little unfair because I'm just looking at the list here of, of PGA championships in the media guide. I mean, of all of the wins that Tiger had, major wins in his career, I would put the Bob May battle at Valhalla in the 2000 PGA as one of my favorite, one of the most compelling, yeah. right? Um, yeah. t- Tiger taking Sergio out in 99 with the little yeah. scissor kick, uh, you know, after he hit Fabulous that shot one. off the tree, yeah. right? I mean, it just, I, I look at these and I just go down the, the list. I mean, Beamer took out Tiger, you know, after he was going for three in a row. McKeel over Chad Campbell. I'm not going to lie. That was a bit of a snoozer in 03. Uh, VJ yeah. over DeMarco and Leonard. Then Phil got Thomas Bjorn and Steve Elkington. Tiger got McKeel. I didn't even realize that. Did you know? Did you realize McKeel was runner up then? That's that's interesting. Hmm. Did not realize. Uh-huh. Tiger Woods over Woody Austin. Now that see uh, that uh, Southern Hills that was brilliant. I mean, Woody Austin yeah. was uh, that was a classic. He he felt like he. I mean, his comments that week in the media center are priceless. Uh, yeah. So anyway, Y.E. Yang takes down Tiger Woods. At Hazeltine, like there's a lot of really, really good stuff in the PGA. And so that's why I'm with you. It seems like going into it, you're like, I don't know if I'm as excited about the PGA. And then it delivers. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe, maybe that's, it's the mighty little major that could kind of thing. Like you, but why, why have we programmed ourselves to think that it's not any good or not mm. that as good or whatever? What, what's that? Why, why have we done that? It's expectations. We set lower expectations, so we end up being blown away. <laughs> yeah, and maybe, maybe that's it. That's maybe maybe you just come in and go, and, and you almost kind of get the opposite now with the players because it's been built up so much over the years by the tour where you're like, well, this thing's got to be great. I mean, it's it's been around 50 years. It's the Sawgrass is awesome. It's a wonderful course. Anyone can win. Anything can happen. And then it's not that they're clunkers. I mean, they've had some wonderful champions the last handful of years to go back 10, 15 years. Same thing as the PGA, but it feels like that's been overhyped and the PGA championships underhyped. And they're yeah. both probably about in the same spot mm. in terms of a quality tournament. Interesting. Interesting. So this event um, traditionally boasts to have the majority of the top 100 players in the world. And if you look at the top 10, you know, you got Rom and Scheffler and McElroy, who's not playing all that great right now. Um, Patrick Cantlay gets um, Joe LaCava on the bag, so that, that'll be interesting yeah. to see how that works out. But n- down at number 9 and 10, you've got Will Zalatoris, who is out with his back injury and had surgery, and Jordan Spieth, who, who withdrew uh, this week from the Byron Nelson because of his wrist. Um, yeah. it, do, you think it, do you think it's ripe for a guy that's like out of, outside of that top 10 or whatever, like we've seen here before, to come from maybe lower in the pack and win a major championship. I won't put it into Sean McKeel territory because I think that was quite unexpected, but Jason Duffner territory, I feel like is definitely in play. And the first person I think of is Tom Kim, which mm-hmm. I mean, he's not, he's not that far down in the world ranking. He's the top 25 player in the world, but it feels like the golf between one and two these days, He's massive down toward that part of the official world golf ranking. So, but I, I think about a, a really great ball striker and someone who doesn't necessarily have to be a great putter, but also Oak Hill is fundamentally different than it was 10 years ago. And we don't know enough about it to say that it should be basically the same kind of player that is going to win there. And 
I think Andrew Green talked about it a little bit and said that you probably won't even recognize what you saw 10 years ago. It'll be that different. And that leads me to believe that, yeah, I mean, someone like Tom Kim, like a quality ball striker, maybe not the best short game or putter, Victor Hovland might come to mind, might be like your ideal candidate. But if it's really that dramatically different of a golf course, well, first of all, anything could happen. Because if no one knows it and someone just catches fever for a week, well, then maybe we could have a Sean McKeel kind of thing happen. Mm. But my gut instinct is Scheffler or Rom's going to win it because they're just that much better than everybody else right now. Throwing Finau in there. He's playing great golf. Cantley's playing great. I would say Hovland has figured out how to play in these bigger tournaments. And despite what what you call Max been, been playing great. And I know the knock on him is no top tens in majors. Well, Maybe this is one of those transition tournaments where you go, okay, this is the time because this is closer to a PGA Tour event than some of the other ma- the other three majors are. So I think there are a lot of good candidates, but I, I do feel there is a possibility of uh, an out-there result happening out of nowhere. A lot of people looking at Max Homa for LACC, so maybe it'd be good yep. to get that top 10, kind of like, okay, to get a taste of it ahead of uh, next month's U.S. Open. Kind of interesting. So, yeah, the players, Jason Duffner, Sean McKeel, Curtis Strange won the U.S. Open there in 1989, Jack Nicholas uh, in 1980, the PGA Championship, and then Lee Trevino and Kerry Middlecoff have U.S. Open Championships here at Oak Hill. And it's interesting when you look at their score to par, one over, five under, six under, two under when Curtis won the U.S. Open in 89, Four under for McKeel, ten under for Duffner. So that's you know everywhere from a, from one over to ten under. And I know you said it's going to be different, but they probably put it back. I mean, Kerry Middlecoff was nineteen fifty six, Lee Trevino yeah. nineteen sixty eight. So it's probably more back in that range than throw the Jason Duffner out. They might not have liked the the ten under and the sixty three. So um, yeah, I, I guess maybe you could be looking more in that. I, it's so hard to keep these guys down though. They're so good and so long these days. Probably probably touches double digits, huh? But it does seem like they've they've grown it out pretty juicy in the rough. I mean, we're already starting to get those pre-major championship prerequisite videos now of just balls <laughs> disappearing in the rough. So it it seems like that's that's going to be part of the ethos of this. So I think you're probably right. I mean, I'm sure that for the Oak Hill members, they didn't like getting 63 10 years ago, so they don't want that to happen again. And they've got fundamentally a new old golf course. They don't they don't want that to be embarrassed on national or international television. So. I'm sure that there's been some input there to kind of make it a little bit more like Beth Page in 19, where scoring is difficult to come by than what you know what you might otherwise see some other years at a PGA Championship. See, I love that. You know what? I could do a whole show on what you just said there. The members don't like seeing the guys, you know, shoot a 63 on their golf course. What is the psychology around members and their course, and what do they even care what somebody shoots? Isn't that interesting? Like, hey, we're going to all assess ourselves. We're going to spend a bunch of our hard-earned money to do this so that when the guys come back, they're going to find this a tougher day. We want respect. I mean, it's just, it is kind of a funny golf weird thing like hey wow that's cool man dude shot 63 out here i'm gonna go see if i can i can i can't even shoot 73 out here but who (laughs) hey uh, you know what let's appreciate what these guys are able to do nope let's tear the sucker down and make it harder (laughs) and and that's the funny thing i mean there are how many golf courses in america could the average golf fan name that are major championship hosts 10 and if you're not in the 10 and i'm sorry to oak hill but you're not in the 10 then what does it matter? What does it matter that what someone shoots there as a professional? What's the winning score matter? As long as it was dramatic and interesting on TV, 
better. You won. Yes. It's better. I'd, I'd rather be either I'm going to be the hardest golf course there's ever been, or I'll give up the 61, the first ever 61 in the men's major. I'll give right. that up because at least it puts me in the history book instead of just being some potentially forgettable major host. And kudos for being a major. Yeah. How yeah. Your course hold a major championship. Right. It's just a and funny thing. The members have put so much work into revitalizing this place to look like the way Donald Ross designed it. So it doesn't really matter what they shoot on it because Donald Ross designed golf courses a hundred years ago and, and beyond. So golf's a little bit different from then. If, if they guys of the guys of the modern era overpower it, guess what? They're overpowering everywhere. So don't be ashamed if someone puts up a low number on your golf course. I just think it's brilliant that these golf course architects have regenerated a whole new uh, business model of re, <laughs> does, re but let's, let's, let's go ahead and put golf courses back to where they were after we've just gone and putting them this far forward. You know, I mean, Hey, look, nothing against Gil hands or any of the guys that are out there doing that, but I mean, it's working, but the, the restoration work is uh, off the hook right now. I mean, yeah. hey, everybody wants to go back to the way it was. It's vintage, man. Vintage is in. That's what we want these days. So. I mean, one of my clubs, a place I, I'm a member of in uh, Pennsylvania, Sunny Hanna Country Club, Sunny Hanna Am every year, great amateur tournament that pretty much everybody who's anybody's played in the last 30 years. I've played there. They, I mean, they, don't, they have a big budget, but they're a tilling half. And guess what they just did? Historic renovation. There you so, go. Or restoration. So they went and put bunkers <laughs> back where they used to be, and they took some out, and they moved them 10 yards, and they restarted them and all that. And, you know, it looks great. But yep. was there anything that wrong with it before? Eh, not really. So that's, that's a great little racket to be involved in is undoing the work someone else did 40 or 50 years ago. Hey, why not, man? It's good stuff. Good work if you can get it. Hey, Ryan, it'll be yeah. fun next week. So I know you're in a, a golfnewsnet.com. A lot of insights there for guys that are uh, going to put some miss some cheddar down on this thing and pick a winner. You already mentioned a Tom Kim, good dark horse, and you, you said the top two guys are just playing well. But is there somebody else that's kind of caught your eye before we let you go that our listeners might want to look at? I'm reluctant to admit this, but Ricky Fowler is mm. coming to my mind. He's playing quietly, playing some extremely good golf since getting back uh, in the good graces of an observation of Butch Harmon. So, I mean, it'd be pretty. I mean, I'm not saying that he's going to win his first major championship, but maybe he might. That would be a heck of a story. I have been watching Ricky, and he ha is trending. You're right, absolutely, he's trending. He's up inside the top 50 in the world. Yeah, he's that's a big move. He was outside like top 200 or more, uh, and has made a nice jump. So I like that way to throw that down. We got a Tom Kim and a Ricky Fowler outside of the uh, obvious notables. So good stuff. Hey Ryan, thanks for your time, man. Always good to visit with you, and uh, we'll chat with you again soon. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. There you go, Ryan Balanchy with GolfNewsNet.com, GNN Radio. Check him out, and uh, they're on. He's got his iHeart channel, of which we are a part and proud to be so. And they're continuing to grow the audience there. So check it out. Let us know what you think, and uh, follow Ryan on social media as well. We'll take a short break. More of the show next. Back to Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. And welcome back to the show. Brian and Bob with you here on Real Golf Radio. It's brought to you in part by Black Desert Resort in St. George, Utah. You've heard us talk about it now for over a year, and Black Desert Resort will open all 18 of its Tom Weiskopf Design Championship course on Memorial Day weekend. Go to blackdesertresort.com where you can schedule a tee time and see for yourself the remarkable wonder that is the final design of the great Tom Weiskopf and uh, what, you know, there's still construction 
construction going on with the resort center hotel and the residential villages that'll be ongoing for the next couple of years. But, you know, enjoy it right now. It's open to the general public. Eventually it'll be a resort private. So you either have to own real estate or you will need to be staying at the resort as a guest. But you know what? Uh, For now, it's open, it's available, and it is remarkable. Uh, I definitely encourage you to get down and check it out if you're in the area. If you're not, book a trip. Come to St. George. Enjoy the uh, beauty of Southern Utah and uh, this brand-new golf course design. It's going to be one of the top. I think it'll make a top list uh, in America, and it's going to be just a joy to play especially when the resort is uh, fully up and and running and you've got a place to stay there, practice. It's going to be cool. I mean, the Black Desert experience, you'll like this, Bob. Yeah. Your greens fee is going to include breakfast, your drinks and snacks during your round, and lunch afterward. That's not including alcohol, of course. But That's so cool. But isn't that cool? So you show up, you pay your fee, and then you just enjoy the day. You don't just get nickel and dime all the way around. Nope. So that's part of the Black Desert experience, and I think people are going to really take to that. Uh, check out blackdesertresort.com. All right, really appreciate Ryan Balangy for joining us there. It was interesting. They had that little debate about, you know, the excitement level of this. And as I've sat and thought about it through the break, you know, we talked about it being the Rose Bowl. But there is something that is special. I don't care what the national championship is. That event in and of itself in football doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot. The Rose Bowl stands yeah. on its own as an event. And maybe it's because it's also in the same venue, like Augusta. Maybe it's able to create that identity at the actual venue in Pasadena, you know. Uh, and it's always on New Year's Day and that sort of thing. But I, I don't want to. I don't want to take anything. Well, like I think the PGA Championship is uh, fully legit. It's certainly one of the major, and it's got a ton of history to it. Mm-hmm. And and again, just because it always tends to get ranked fourth because it sat at the end of the line of the four majors, I I don't I don't think you can argue that it produces often some of the best drama it does and excitement right so uh, how about this from uh, back in history bob by the way the stroke play of era began in 1958 before a television audience of millions so that's pretty pretty impressive stuff that was early on um this was this is a little bit about walter hagan walter is from the media guide walter hagan one of the association's 35 charter members won what is today a record tying five PGA championships in 1921 and then four straight from 24 through 27. During his four-year streak, the Hague won 22 consecutive matches. This is back in the match just before when it was match play. 22 consecutive matches before Leo Deagle captured the title in 1928. How about that? Yeah, that's, that's awesome. You know, um, what was really cool and, and what Ryan just said just, you know, eight matches or it took eight days to play the PGA championship um, prior to 1958 when they went to stroke play. And some of those old guys are the, are the, are the greats of the game that have ever played in the game. Um, And the traditional guys that you would see like Sam Snead and, and um, you know, a lot of these other guys that, that won through the match play and then, um, and then you see the 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 next era or next generation of guys take over, uh, you know, with the stroke play and going through on through my dad and Arnold and Jack and Gary Player and all those guys. Uh, you know, I looked at my dad's career the other day and he finished he finished like five times inside the top five and a couple two or three runner runners up in the PGA championship. I remember lo- him losing to Jack Nicholas one year in the PGA Championship. So it's a great event, the PGA of America's event. And uh, it is 
undoubtedly one of the the major championships in the game of golf and one that has been around for a long, long time. Of course, the Wanamaker Trophy is awarded to the winner, and that's kind of a cool a little story in and of itself. Lewis Rodman Wanamaker of New York City back in 1916, he basically wanted to say, let's, let's be, have this inaugural championship be a grand display. And then he's the one that came up with that massive trophy. And I was just reading here, the original base was so filled with lead, according to this historian, that it could not support the original trophy. <laughs> uh, and now they have a 90% original size replica that they hand out to the champions. And that began in 2009 with Y.E. Yang. Remember, remember Yang holding his golf bag up above his head, you know, cheering that way. I mean, would you have ever, can you imagine the fact that Tiger Woods lost in the final round of a major championship? That's remarkable. And Y.E. Yang is the one that can say he did it. He's the only one. And 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 he was leading. And he never spit the bit on a lead. Right. So, yeah, it was kind of crazy. Yeah, I didn't bet Y.E. Yang. Y.E., yep. yes. That's what I'm talking about as we went through. There's so many good stuff. <laughs> um <laughs> So uh, Oak Hill, um, great golf course. As I mentioned, some of the the past major winners. I, I don't know. I mean, do you do you work? Does it bother you that you had Duffner and McKeel winning the last two, or does it even matter? And then who do you like? Ryan mentioned a couple of a couple of long shots there, and Tom yeah. Kim and Ricky Fowler. But I also like that was, Ricky Fowler pick. That's interesting, isn't it? I really do like that pick because he's he's kind of in in that in that range of Duffner who won it 10 years ago. I mean, Ricky's a little more accomplished than Duff was at the time. No, but, but, yeah. but I mean, were they ranked in the, oh, I see were they saying. ranked in the world at yeah. that point? Hmm. So speaking of those five majors, uh, five, uh, PGAs, it was 1980 at the 62nd PGA championship that Nicholas picked up his, uh, fifth, uh, which is uh, pretty cool. And he set the record for the yeah. largest winning margin um, in uh, since the stroke play. And it was at, what was it, uh, uh, seven shots? And that stood mm-hmm. until McElroy got the eight-shot victory at, uh, Ke- at Kiowa. Right. So, yeah, pretty cool stuff there. But So, yeah, so you go back, you got Nicholas, McKeel, and Duffner. I just doesn't, doesn't roll off the... Doesn't roll off the tongue. Just all I'm saying. <laughs> yep, Nicholas, McKeel, Duffner, yeah, Curtis Strange. <laughs> well, Curtis, you know, yeah, interesting He's winner. Yeah, interesting. So this uh, golf course is going to play 7,394 yards. It's a par 70, and you know you open up with what Ben Hogan once called the toughest opening test in championship golf. It's an elevated tee shot, slight dog leg left. And, you know, if you, if you get a really good drive out there, you can take advantage of a little fairways downslope at 290, Bob. You got to carry the 290 to get 290 that. 290 mark. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you got a little creek that runs across the fairway out at 360 yards, so you would have to probably lay back on that. You don't want to I definitely that. have yeah. to lay back on that. And you got out of bounds right. And some bunkering there too is uh, is, is in there as well. So, yeah, it's going to be that, – that's an interesting one. So you start out with a 460-yard par four. You got a two. The third hole is a two hundred and thirty yard par three, mm-hmm. followed by a six hundred and fifteen yard par five. So that's kind of just kind of give you an idea of what these players are facing. Stout down the stretch, 
It's a 500-yard par 4, a 500-yard par 4 on 17 and 18. So um, good luck on that one. And 18's back uphill as well. So um, that's, yeah. And McKeel hit it to like two inches to go on yes, and, he did. And, and win. What and a, gave it the, the whiff. Yeah, it was not a, was not a great fist pump. It was not a great fist pump. I'll, I'll, no, I'll give wasn't. you that. Hey, we got to take a break. We'll wrap up hour number one next. We can still have a lot on tap for hour number two. Stay tuned. This is Real Golf Radio. You're listening to Real Golf Radio. Talking golf with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. One day you'll get it. Here's Brian and Bob. Hey, you're listening to Real Golf Radio. Brian Taylor, Bob Casper. This will wrap up hour number one of the show. Still to come on the back nine, hour number two. We'll welcome in America's favorite caddy. And then, yeah, wait for it. It's the Byron Nelson, in his own words, interview talking about the great year of 1945 when he won 18 times, including 11 in a row. It's priceless stuff that we had an opportunity to chat with him before he passed away years ago. But uh, we do it in honor of Byron Nelson each and every year, the week of the Byron Nelson Championship out there in Texas. So stay tuned for that. And then more on the 105th PGA Championship coming up next week at Oak Hill Country Club in Rochester, New York. Stay tuned. The back nine with all of that coming up next here on Real Golf Radio. 